Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the prophet Malachi this morning. We're going to look in Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14 here in just a little bit. Malachi is that last book of the Old Testament, the one right before Matthew. And we'll study those in just a little bit here. So next year in July, uh, Trish and I are celebrating our 25th anniversary. I know, God bless her. She needs lots of prayer having to deal, having to deal with me. But suppose that this uh, great celebration it comes up. And suppose when that anniversary rolls up, I decide to celebrate this anniversary by first heating up some leftovers and then going out to the movies all by myself and then coming home and going straight to bed and ignoring her completely. How do you think that that would go over? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would be in the doghouse figuratively. And actually, we have a dog and we have a literal doghouse in the backyard. So I would literally be in the doghouse staying there probably for the rest uh, of my life. But I want you to think about this. If this is the way that I would treat her on such a special occasion, what does that say about what I think about her? What does it say about how I value her or not? Because my actions would speak volumes about how I really feel. I mean, sure, maybe for a time, I could say the right things, I could go through the motions of affection, but in the end, what's really on my heart is going to come out. Whatever is going on inside of me is going to come out in my actions and attitudes because you cannot fake these things forever. And the reason that I bring this up is that I fear that a lot of Christians in Western society those who have grown up in a cultural Christianity, they know how to give the right answers when it comes to church, when it comes to God, when it comes to Christ. They know how to give the right answers. They know how to act the part. They know what is expected of them, but what's really in our hearts and our minds will come through eventually. And quite often it will come through in the way that we worship or don't worship. You know, and it's not just the, the worship of the gathering of the saints together at a church service. Even, it's even in personal worship or lack thereof. Because we might go through the motions, but there's no interest in God at all. And so worship, in the various ways that it can be expressed, and there are so many ways that we can express our worship of God, that time is a time to demonstrate toward God his worth to us. If our worship is fervent and heartfelt, it means that we think that our God is great and worthy and of high value. 
And when I talk about, you know, uh, fervent and heartfelt worship, I don't just mean, you know, singing, raising of hands, because different people have different personalities, but it does mean that you hold in your heart Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You hold them in high esteem. You hold them in very high esteem. But there are some who go through the motions that do not hold God in such high esteem. They are very disinterested in God and in showing his worth. And what I want you to consider today is that disinterested worship, when you're not interested in worship, you might go through the motions, but you're just not interested, it comes from hearts that are disinterested in God. You have no interest in God and his ways. You don't think highly of God at all. The more you value God for being God, for who he is, for what he has accomplished, the greater the esteem you will accord to him and the more genuine will be your worship. Now the prophet Malachi had warned the Jews about this. The Jews were going through motions. The Jews were not interested in God or his ways at all. And so God, through Malachi, had some words to share with them. Some words of conviction, but also, hopefully, some words of encouragement. And holding God in high esteem and giving him the worship that he is due. And so I want to read verses 6 through 14 of Malachi chapter 1. If you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses. And God said through the prophet Malachi... A son naturally honors his father, and a slave respects his master. If I am your father, where is my honor? If I am your master, where is my respect? The Lord of heaven's armies asks you this, you priests who make light of my name, but you reply, how have we made light of your name? You are offering improper sacrifices on my altar, yet you ask, how have we offended you? By treating the table of the Lord as if it is of no importance. For when you offer blind animals as a sacrifice, is that not wrong? And when you offer the lame and sick, is that not wrong as well? Indeed, try offering them to your governor. Will he be pleased with you or show you favor? Asked the Lord of heaven's armies. But now plead for God's favor that he might be gracious to us. With this kind of offering in your hands, how can he be pleased with you? Asked the Lord of heaven's armies. I wish that one of you would close the temple doors so that you no longer would light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will no longer accept an offering from you. For from the east to the west, my name will be great among the nations. Incense and pure offerings will be offered in my name everywhere, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies." But you are profaning it by saying that the table of the Lord is common and its offerings despicable. You also say how tiresome it is. You turn up your nose at it, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and instead bring what is stolen, lame, or sick. You bring these things for an offering. Should I accept this from you, asks the Lord? There will be harsh condemnation for the hypocrite who has a valuable male animal in his flock but vows and sacrifices something inferior to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is awesome 
among the nations. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, I pray that today we do find and treat your name, your reputation as awesome. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So now the prophet of Malachi was writing at a time when the Jews had returned from the exile in, in Babylon. But it didn't take long for them to become completely indifferent to God and his law. Even though God brought them back to the land of promise, it didn't take them long to just kind of treat God as of no importance, give him no esteem. And so God spoke through the prophet Malachi to confront them about their indifference toward him, to hopefully, you know, shake them out of their lethargy, shake them out of their apathy, and bring them back into a warm relationship with God. And so here God confronts them with the fact that they are demonstrating indifference toward him by their disinterested worship. They go through a lot of motions of worship. But the way that they went about it shows that they really didn't think much about God, didn't think about him at all. They didn't think highly of him, his word, his ways, his law. And as we consider these aspects of disinterested worship that the, the Israelites, the Jews, had brought to God, I just want us to consider our own times of worship, be they here in the church setting, be they at home alone or wherever, so that we, we, we get out of this apathy and we offer God true, genuine worship. But he has some things to say about the wrong worship that is, that is being given as well. So let's consider some of the aspects that we find here in Malachi. And, and so first, I want to talk about the seed of disinterested worship. The seed of disinterested worship. Where does, where does this disinterested worship spring from? Where does it grow from? Where does it come from? And so God, through Malachi, points out that it starts with, well, what you really think about God. What you really think about God is going to show itself in your worship, whether for good or for bad. And so God confronts them about their attitude toward him. They have this bad worship because they have a bad attitude toward God. Now God says in verse six, you know, this is kind of the natural order of things is that a son would honor the father. When a child is obedient to the laws of God, they follow the command to honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise. And so if they're being obedient, they will honor father. If they are being disobedient, they will dishonor their father. They will not give him the honor that is due. And so in the Old Testament, we find many places that God calls himself the father of Israel. Israel is the child. God is the father. And God asks them here in Malachi, since I am your father, where is the honor that is due me? Where is the honor, because their hearts and their thoughts and their actions were not honoring him. And this is something for us to consider for ourselves, because those of us who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are adopted in the family of God. God is our father. So let me ask you, where is his honor? Are you showing him honor? Do you honor him, especially in the times of worship that you have with him? But then he goes on with another, if you want to call it aspect of natural order of human relationships, it's that a servant respects his master. Now the word respect there, it's actually the word for fear. It means reverence. It's respect of someone 
who is in authority because not only is God the Father, God is also Master and Lord over all of creation. And God asked them, since I am your master, where is my respect? Where is the fear and reverence that is due to me? Now we know from scripture that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom and all knowledge. That's where it begins. We really want to know about God. We start with revering him. We start with respecting him. And we know that Jesus Christ, he's not only savior, he is also master and Lord. And so let me ask, where is the fear and reverence and respect of the Lord? Are we respecting him, revering him, and fearing him as is his due? And so our worship is off when our thoughts and our feelings toward God are off, when we're just not thinking rightly about God. We may, we may say one thing with our lips, but in our hearts, we're not showing him honor and respect. You know, the Lord really hits it hard in prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 13, and Christ himself had uh, quoted this. He, it's, Isaiah, God through Isaiah said, this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. And so God boils it down to one description in verse six. You make light of my name. Some of your translations will say, you despise my name. Some translations will say, you hold my name in contempt. Now the name of God represents his reputation, his being, his essence, his character. And so to make light of the name of God means that God himself, his name, his reputation, his being, his essence, his character holds no weight in your life whatsoever. God is who he is and you don't care. You're like, eh. And so it means you have a callous disregard for who God is. Now you're not gonna just come out and say that. You're not just gonna come out and admit that, but you know, it's gonna show itself in many ways, but especially in your worship. It's gonna show that you really don't care who God is. You, you know, it's going to show when you just think, you know, you try, you treat God. You might not think this, but you treat God like he is on the same level with you or something, or he might even be below you. You disregard him as the sovereign creator and sustainer of everything, Lord over everything. You disregard his grandeur, his excellence, his majesty, his beauty, his power. You just disregard him. You don't care who he is. What it makes me think of is those stories you hear about these Hollywood celebrities. You know, cause some of the Hollywood celebrities think that they're above the rest of humanity because of their fame and name and fortune and things like that. And you know, they go live their lives and when someone doesn't give them the honor that they think they are due, you know, they'll go up to that person and say, do you know who I am? They think because of their name and their fame and their fortune that somehow they're above everybody else. They think that they have special privileges. But the thing is, I don't care what Hollywood celebrity you are, 
you are human like everybody else. Just because you have fame and name and fortune and whatever doesn't mean you get special privilege or special treatment. I mean, frankly, if some snobby star came up to me and said, do you know who I am? Most of the time, probably I wouldn't. I'd say, no, and I don't really care. You're another human being. And that's it. But here's the thing. God is not. God is not just another human being. God is not on the same level as human beings. We cannot regard him lightly. We cannot neglect him. We cannot ignore him. We cannot treat him like everybody else because he is not like everybody else. He's not like anybody else. God alone is God. And the seed of disinterested worship comes when we think of him very lightly. We think of him very little. We don't think of him much at all. We don't think he is much. And so if we want to worship him rightly, that means we must think about him rightly. He is to be honored. He is to be respected. And his name and his reputation is to be esteemed above anybody and everybody else. And so that's the seed of disinterested worship. It starts with treating him very lightly, not having right thoughts about God. But then, so you, if you have those wrong thoughts about God, how then does it show itself in worship? So secondly today, I wanna to talk about the symptoms of disinterested worship. The symptoms of disinterested worship. How are they demonstrated? When we have little thought of God, or we think little of God, how does that show? Well, first, we find, for the Jews at least, that it shows by their disobedience. Now, according to verse 7, they were offering improper sacrifices. The Mosaic Law gave very strict instructions on what kind of sacrifices were to be given, were to be made, what types of animals were to be part of the sacrificial system, gave very strict instructions what animals were to be neglected or excluded from offerings of sacrifice. So for example, in Leviticus 22, chapter 22, verse 22, God through Moses said, you must not present to the Lord something blind or with a broken bone or mutilated or with a running sore or with a festering eruption or with a feverish rash. You must not give any of these as a gift on the altar to the Lord. Anything that has a defect don't give it to God. You know, that seems pretty straight and, I mean, that, that, that seems pretty easy to understand. I mean, give God an animal that doesn't have any defects. But, according to verse eight, they were offering the blind, the lame, and sick animals. According to verse 13, they were offering animals that were stolen, who were lame, who were sick. They were giving everything Leviticus said not to do. All of this because they regarded God lightly. They thought little of God. And because they thought little of God, they thought little of his word. They thought little of his law. Well, you know, I don't think much of God, so I'm sure not going to think much of his commandments, his word, his instructions, his scripture. And then that bled into their worship and their life. If, if I don't respect God, if I don't honor God, I'm not going to respect his word. I'm not going to respect his, his law. I'm not going to honor the Bible. I'm just going to do whatever I want if I have no regard for God or his word. 
You know, here we are as churches, we have opportunities to hear the word of God and respond to the word of God. But if we don't respect God and we don't honor God, we're not going to respect the word. I mean, we're just going to live however we want to live. I mean, oh yeah, sure, the Bible says that I'm supposed to live like this, but eh, I really don't care about God and I don't care about his word. So I'm just going to live however I want. I don't care what the Bible says, right? That is dishonoring to God. When you disobey his word, that is dishonoring to God, and it's an obvious barrier to worship. Why are you worshiping a God you think little about and you really don't care what he says? Yeah, you know, you spend your week using your hands and your feet and your mouth and your body in a way that is in opposition to God's word, and then all of a sudden on Sunday morning, you come to church and you use those same hands and feet and mouth and body to worship God, and you think God is going to accept that? You think you can fool God? You think God didn't see how you lived all the rest of the week? And then all of a sudden on Sunday morning, he's like, oh, look at you, isn't that? And so the first symptom of this type of worship is just disobedience. Disobedience. But a second symptom of disinterested worship was that they gave God the leftovers instead of the best. They just came and gave God whatever was lying around and not giving him his best, according to verse 14. So, you know, I just read earlier in verses 7 and 13 and 8 that they were offering the blind, the lame, you know, everything they weren't supposed to be offering. But according to verse 14, it's not like they didn't have the proper animals for sacrifice. According to verse 14, they had a valuable, healthy male animal of the flock that they could have brought as a sacrifice per God's commandments, per his law, so to worship him. But they didn't want to give God that perfect lamb, ram, whatever they were going to offer because they wanted, to, they wanted to keep the best for themselves. So they wanted to keep the best for themselves and they were just going to give God whatever it is that they didn't want. It's like, yeah, you know, I have this healthy male animal here that I could give as a sacrifice in worship to God. I could worship God this way, but I want to keep it for myself. So instead, I'm going to give God the blind, the lame, the sick, the stolen, and things like that. I, I want to pacify my conscience by giving God something. I, I mean, it's not like I'm just going to ignore God. That's probably not a good idea. I'm going to fulfill my religious duty in some way, shape, or form But, I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way to do it. I'm not going to make a personal sacrifice in order to worship God. Instead, I'm just going to kind of give God whatever is left over. I'm going to keep all the good stuff for myself because I want to live for myself. And I'm just going to give God kind of whatever is left over. There you go, God. Have my leftovers. So how might that look for us? You know, I'm going to pour myself completely into my job in order to advance my career. I'm going to pour myself into my studies to advance my education. I'm going to practice day in and day out in my sport to become the best. I'm going to spend all my time and energy building up the house that I want, buying the toys that I want so I can sit at ease because that's ultimately what I want. I want to have a life of ease and comfort. And so I'm going to do everything I can to obtain that, keeping the best for myself. Now, Most of those things are not bad in and of themselves in moderation, but what happens is that because I want ease and comfort, and that means this and that the other thing, I'm going to spend myself completely 
physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally on all this stuff. And then I have absolutely nothing left to give to God. We come to the altar of worship having drained ourselves, pursuing our own dreams so that we can live at ease and comfort. And then it's like, well, you know, I really have nothing left to give God, so I'll just go through the motions so I can feel better about myself and meet the expectations of my peer group. I gave my all to everything else. I gave my all to everyone else and I have nothing significant left to give God. So God's just gonna get what he's gonna get. Whatever I have left in the tank, that's it. That's what I'm going to give God. And what we're really saying is, God, I do not honor and respect you enough to put you first. I don't honor and respect you enough to give you my best. This reminds me of this really crazy story I had heard about a woman and her frozen Thanksgiving turkey. So, you know, back in the day, the the Butterball Turkey Company, I don't know why Butterball is so hard to say, but the Butterball Turkey Company had this hotline you could call in so they could answer, you know, consumer questions about preparing their holiday turkey. And so one woman called in to inquire about cooking a turkey that had been at the bottom of her freezer for 23 years. That's, yeah, 23 years at the bottom of a freezer. And so the Butterball representative told her, well, technically the turkey probably would be safe to eat if the freezer never got below or got above, you know, zero degrees, as long as it stayed below zero degrees. Technically, it would be safe to eat, but this representative warned her that, you know, even if the turkey was safe to eat, the flavor would probably have deteriorated after 23 years to such a degree she would not recommend eating it. And this is how the caller replied. Well, that's what I thought. I guess we'll just give the turkey to our church. Now, I'm not equating church with God, but to me, this illustrates illustrates the mindset it illustrates the attitude i think so little of god i'm going to give him the things i don't want i don't need i'm just going to give him the leftovers and so that's that's the symptom of i think lightly of god and so my worship is going to be like eh. I, I think lightly of worship because i'm just going to give him whatever is left over but then a third symptom is that we treat god as common We treat God as ordinary, and we we may not say this out loud, and I hope we don't say this out loud, and I hope we don't say it in our hearts, but some do. We treat God like he's a waste of time. In verse 7, God says that they treat the table of the Lord as if it is of no importance, it is despised, it is contemptible. And in verse 13, God kind of speaks for them about the attitude they have. You know, they say in their hearts, maybe out loud, but in their hearts, ugh, how tiresome it is, how tedious, how wearisome it is to worship God, and then they actually turn their nose up at God. You know, the attitude is, you know, what a drudgery it is to have to get into God's word, how tiring it is to, ha- to, to go to church on my, one of my only days off. 
What a waste of time it is to pray. And what does God have to say about that? You know, you go around and, again, you might not form those exact words, but your actions, your attitudes say it. How tiresome, how wearisome. What a waste of time. What does God have to say about that? Look at verse 10. I wish that one of you would close the temple doors so that you no longer would light useless fires on my altar, because I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will no longer accept an offering from you. So God is saying, look, if this is the attitude you're going to have, it's better that you just close the doors of the church and stop going through the motions because I can see what you're doing. Frankly, stop wasting my time, stop wasting your time. If that is what you think of me, God is saying, don't waste my time, don't waste your time. If you think I'm a waste of time, then don't. But if you think he is grand, then do. If you think his name is wonderful, then do. You know, God is saying, look, if this is your attitude, just close the doors of the church. And, 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 but if that has been your attitude, and this is what, what God is doing through Malachi, it is a call for the people to repent. Look, I, God's extending forgiveness. God's saying, just come back to me with a true heart. Don't treat me lightly. I am God. Do not treat me lightly. Jesus is extending his hand out to us saying, stop playing games. I am your Lord and Savior. I'm calling you back to me, back into a vibrant relationship with me, back to me where, where we're, we're able to have this very warm relationship. You worship me and I love you. And, and you know, as, as harsh as the, the prophets can be, and they can be harsh at times, there is always the message behind it. God is calling you back to him. He is extending forgiveness. And we humbly come to him, we confess, we repent, we seek him, we are promised that if we seek him with our whole heart, we are going to find him. And then we can offer him the worship, the honor, the respect that is his due. Because third, and very quickly, we find the solution to disinterested worship. And that's just holding his name high honoring his name, respecting his name, his person, his reputation. God says in, in verse 11 of the passage we read, he says, there's gonna come a day that from the east to the west, my name will be great among the nations. Incense and pure offerings will be offered in my name everywhere for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. His name is gonna be made great. And God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for the sins of humanity to open the doors for all to enter in so that all the nations can come and make his name great. No longer would worship be just in one place at the temple in Jerusalem and no longer would sacrifices be needed because Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice and through him we can worship God who is eternally worthy of worship 
and we worship him in spirit and in truth. And God says in verse 11, his name will be made great among the nations. In verse 14, he says his name will be awesome among the nations. It is awesome among the nations. And we lift up that name of Jesus Christ, the name to whom everyone will bow. Either willingly on this earth or unwillingly on the day of judgment, everyone will bow at the name of Jesus Christ. But one way or another, his name is gonna be made great. And so worship is true worship when the name of Jesus is made great because that's what worship is all about. Worship is about him. Worship is about him. It is not about us. It is not about anything else. Worship is about him. It makes me think of uh, this exchange that you know, one of the celebrity pastors, famous pastors, preacher types, you know, an exchange that they had with someone in the congregation after service. So this church member came up to the pastor after the service and said, I really didn't enjoy worship today. Well, the pastor replied, oh, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you anyway. And that's the truth. When we think lightly of God, we somehow think worship is about us. But if worship is about us, that means we're worshiping ourselves, right? Worship is about making the name of Jesus great, making the name of Jesus awesome among the nations. And it starts here with us, and it spreads like wildfire into, into the world. And so, you know, I, I close with this thought. How is it that we can sit hours on end watching football? We can sit through a three-hour movie, but we have nothing. We say that we have nothing to give to God. I mean, isn't God more beautiful and majestic than our sports and our entertainment? You know, we honor our favorite football teams, we honor our favorite entertainers, but we dishonor God when we show no interest in Him at all. We dishonor God, we dis disrespect God when we have a complete lack of interest in worshiping Him in the right way. And so Christian, where is your heart? Where is your heart in this? Come to the altar Adjust your thoughts, adjust your heart, and worship him. Come and worship. But there's only one, one avenue, by the way, we can worship him, and that's through Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you honor God by believing that he sent his son who died on the cross for you, who rose again, and gives you eternal life. You, you have no access to the Father except through the Son. And you've never trusted in Christ. Trust in Him today. We want to give you that opportunity. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.